Well, good morning and welcome to part three of the Our Family, or One Family, not Our Family, One Family, excuse me, uh, series that we're doing, which is a study in the book of Ephesians. If you've been with us for a while, you know that we go through books of the Bible and we kind of go section by section so we can hear the whole of what's happening. This happens to be Ephesians, a letter written by Paul, uh, one of his letters that he wrote while he was in prison. If you've ever studied scripture, if you've looked at the New Testament, uh, Paul was somebody that actually was a Pharisee that persecuted the church, that did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah, actually tried to stop the church from forming after Jesus had rose from the grave. And, and then Jesus, he had this encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he was blind for three days. He had this intimate interaction with Jesus, and Jesus sent him off to be an apostle or one that's sent out to establish churches among the Gentiles, which unless you were born a Jew, you're a Gentile. That's probably you. It definitely is me. And so there's a lot that we could that we owe to Paul for the spreading of the gospel to us. And he wrote this book or letter, really, we call them books, but this letter, Ephesians, to the churches in the region of Ephesus. Most people believe it was a circulated letter, not just specifically to one church. And it deals with issues and things that were happening within the church. And we're really at the beginning of this. And last week, we talked about, out of chapter 1, how Paul was praying over the churches that were there. Remember, we called this one family because he kind of broke down the social barriers and said, look, Jesus came for all people. We're adopted into the family of God through Jesus Christ, and we become family together. We're, so no matter what race you were born, no matter what economic level you were born, no matter who you are, when you come to Christ, you're a part of that same family. So you and I, if you're a believer, are part of the same family in God. So we're brothers and sisters. That's why it's used throughout the Bible, brothers and sisters. So this last week in this prayer, and we're actually going to do the second part of this prayer. We touched on it a little bit last week, but Paul prayed in the beginning really for us to have wisdom and insight. He was praying that we would have wisdom to understand Scripture, wisdom to understand what the Holy Spirit was doing and what God was doing in our lives. That was his prayer for us, that we would have a spirit of wisdom and insight, discernment to know how to act and interact with other people. And then he also prayed that we would understand the incredible power that was available to us. I touched briefly on that last week. I want to go a little deeper into that section, which is going to be in Ephesians 1, uh, 19 through 23, is going to be our focus today. Again, I, I, I touched on it last week. We're going to go a little bit deeper on how that power, how that prayer and that power that's available to us, it, how it affects us, what that means for us. So that's really what we're going to dig into today. So I want us to go ahead and read verses 19 through 23 of chapter 1 again, just to get us off and get us started. So Paul's looking into this, and he, in verse 19 he says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in Him. The greatness of that power for us who believe in Him, that's the key. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. 
Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Now, did you get that verse 19? For those of us who believe, this is, this is how this works, this incredible power that's available to us who believe. Now, power is one of those words that's awesome, man. People, rulers and leaders and people who want this power. The first thing that came to mind is I, I go back to the old Disney movie, Aladdin, when the, the genie comes out and is, it talks about this enormous amount of power in this tiny little space and, and the genie living in the lamp. And of course, we know that's fictional, but that was the first thing that came to mind. I got that image. But this power that is available to us, and I want to talk about the power and, it, and its demonstration through the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's what Paul talks about in the prayer. And then we're going to kind of relate how it, it relates to us. So we're going to look at first the power in that moment of death and resurrection of Jesus, which is that that's the power that Paul said is ours. And then what that means to us. So the first thing is the power and Jesus. That's, that's where we're going to start. Now, what I want you to understand is that this power is the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus said he's going to send us the comforter, the Holy Spirit. He told us in Matthew that when we baptize people, we're to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You have God the Father. You have God the Son, whom all things were, was created and for all things, everything. And then you have the Holy Spirit, which is God's active power on the earth today. And the Holy Spirit's been here throughout time. He interacted with the prophets. He interacted with people, but it was always to individuals at individual circumstances. After Jesus ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit was given to all believers. If you remember in, in, in Ephesians 1, I'm going back to our first week, the Holy Spirit was that seal that marked us as believers. So if you go back and read Ephesians 1, right there at the beginning, the Holy Spirit was given to us as a seal that marks us as followers of Christ and marks us as believers. So Romans 8.11 tells us that the Holy Spirit is the power that raised Christ from the dead. I wanted to read that or tell you that. We're going to get into Romans 8 a little bit later because Ephesians doesn't say, it just says that power is available to us that raised Christ from the dead. Well, in Romans, he identifies that power as being the Holy Spirit. So here's the things that happen through that power. First thing is, A, Jesus is resurrected. Jesus died on the cross, that painful, horrible death. And then three days later, the power of the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. Now, this is a different death and resurrection than Lazarus. Lazarus died, and Jesus spoke to him and rose him from the dead. But the difference is this. Lazarus died again. Later, we don't know when, but he came back to life for a period of time to bring God glory. If you remember in our John series... The raising of Lazarus was for the benefit, really, of the disciples. Jesus was teaching him the power that was available to them, teaching him what it meant to be followers of him. And yes, there have been times where people have been raised from the dead. It doesn't happen very often. I've personally never experienced it. Uh, we, 
anyway. I haven't died and been raised from the dead, and I haven't seen anybody raised from the dead. But there have been documented cases over time, but that's very rare. But, however, that power that raised Jesus from the dead, that's what he's saying is available to us. It's this resurrection of Jesus is permanent. He's the firstborn of creation that goes off into heaven, the new heaven, the new earth. Jesus is the first one to enter into that. He was given power over death and the grave. We talked this about that a little bit last week, that he was given power over, the, over death and the grave. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. But that power, can you imagine the significance of that power? For the Jews, it really spoke to Jesus being the Messiah for those that believed in it because they could not imagine the Messiah dying in the first place. But that death for them represented the resurrection, which the power of God, and it was totally outside their thinking. And that's why so many didn't wrap their head around who Jesus was. So we have that. The second thing that this power is going to do is it's Jesus exalted. It's he exalted Jesus. If you look at verses 20 and 21 again, it says that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in a place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Remember, Jesus went from being fully man and fully God, this, this dual being, if you want, I don't even know how you'd put it, to being fully exalted as God, sitting at God's right hand. This, this part of God, because it's hard for us to understand, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but it's just one God. This part of God that became man, that understands us intimately, that knows the struggles that we have, that knows the battle with sin that we have, what it means to go through this life, to have indigestion and gas, all that stuff that we don't even think about with Jesus being fully human. Just like when we saw him in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's, he's in anguish over the fact that he knows he's about to die on the cross and he's praying such intense prayer and asking if there's any other way, God, take this cup from me, but yet not my will, but yours be done. This fully man, fully God, is now being exalted to the right hand of the Father. And all things are brought under His authority. Everything. There is nothing that Jesus does not have authority over in this life. And I know that's kind of confusing for some because you can look at it and say, well, there's so much death, there's so much pain, there's so much that's going on. And God gave us free will in this world for us to make decisions because God wanted us to choose Him. God wanted us to choose to do what's right. That's why the next life, after we go through this and we choose God, for those of us that choose to follow Him and to, and, and to live for Him, and that's our job is to help people understand and be reconciled with God, the new heaven and new earth will be completely different. There won't be any more pain. There won't be any more corruption, no more tears. It will be that perfect world that we were designed to live in in the beginning, but sin took all of that away. And Jesus is exalted over all of that. This image may be hard for us to understand, but all of that authority is under Him. Jesus called us to make disciples, and those disciples would make up His body. 
the church. And he is the head of the church. That, that image that, that Jesus is the head and we make up the body, we're all a part of that, but Jesus is what guides us and moves us along. And, and I want to read verses 22 and 23 again. It says, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Jesus is the head. We are the body. The head is the one that makes decisions and guides and directs. And we are the one that, that fills out the purposes of the church, where God, where the Holy Spirit empowers us. And in, in the Holy Spirit exalted Jesus to this place. And for us, we're going to get into what that means for us in just a few minutes, because that power that's available to us as the body gives us motion, animates us to go out and do what God's called us to do in the world, no matter what gifts and abilities we have. And we're not going to get into how that all fits together. Paul does that uh, in different books, talks about how we all fit together as the body of Christ. So I want to go back. This brings us back to verse 19, that power that's available to us. So the second part of this message is really the power and us. How does it relate to us? What does this mean for us based on these verses in the scripture that we're, we're looking at? And we're going to dig into some of the other scriptures that Paul used or some of the other letters that Paul wrote to fill in that picture of what that power means for us. Uh, if you were with us during the Reflecting the Light series, the Holy Spirit, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit, and he, he had some very specific functions that he said the Holy Spirit would do when he was talking to us as disciples. One, he was going to be the comforter. He's going to be the one that, that consoled us and, and reminded us that God is still in control, even though Jesus had died and then would be raised again and gives us comfort throughout our lives to guide us to direct us, to help us to become more like Him, to understand the Scriptures, all of those things, that wisdom, that insight, comes from the Holy Spirit. Along with those promise, there's a power that is working in our lives, and that power that Paul talked about is what we want to focus on right now. Uh, there's not enough time to go through it in, in great depth. I actually did a series not too long ago, a couple years ago, called Supernatural, where we focused on scripture around the power of the Holy Spirit and the things that God did through that. But right now, we're just going to focus on a few things. And the first thing is power over sin. Power over sin. And this is where I want to read Romans 8, 11 through 14 for just a moment. So Romans 8, 11 through 14 it says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ... Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. God. Our sinful nature is something we wrestle with for the rest of our lives, and we're fortunate that God's grace is big enough to cover that, and we, so we don't have to worry about getting saved every day because we've stumbled and fallen. God's grace is big. 
And as long as we keep our relationship with God active and we're seeking after Him, He knows that we're going to stumble, that we're going to make mistakes. But He gave us the Holy Spirit to grow the, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And that's what I want to talk about for a second. And I want to look at Galatians 5, verses 19 through 26. And He's going to talk about our sinful nature, but then He's going to talk about what the Spirit develops in us. This is the way he over, that we overcome sin, because when we develop this fruit, we look more and more like Jesus. So let's look at 19 through 26 of Galatians 5. It says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's the sinful nature. It's what it produces in our lives. Now, verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not be conceited or provoke one another to be jealous of one another. Do you get that? What an amazing thing. Sinful nature produces all this stuff that separates us from God that's about us. And yes, sometimes those things are pleasurable, and sometimes for a moment they feel good, and the, the crowd is doing it, and you get involved in it, but they leave you empty and broken, where the, the fruit of the Spirit produces in you a life of love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, those things that are growing inside of us. That's a part of the power of the Holy Spirit changing us from the inside out becoming more like Jesus, becoming more compassionate, more loving and caring for the people that are around us. Remember, we were called to reflect Jesus in our lives. And the way that we do it, the power of the Holy Spirit changing us from the inside out. Now, we must understand that the enemy, the enemy is going to try and do everything in his power to get us off course, discourage us, distract us, so the fruit can no longer grow in our lives. It's kind of like weeds in a garden. The enemy is going to come in and do everything that he can to keep us from growing in our relationship with God. He can't take our salvation away, but he can try and distract us, keep us busy, keep us off of our gain, game so that we can't reach other people, so that, that maybe we're going to fall into some temptations that will lead us away from God or distract us from drawing others to him. 1 Peter 5.8 gives us a warning. It says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The enemy is constantly trying to trip us up. He hates us as followers of Christ. He was thrown out of heaven because he wanted to establish himself above God and say, I can do it better than you. He was the original one to fall in that way. And then he distracted Adam and Eve and did the same thing and said, hey, you can be like God. That's always, we, when we try to take control of our own lives, when we try to do everything on our own, we're saying, God, I can do it better than you. I've got this. I can do it without you. And the problem is we can't. We can't live this life in a way 
that honors God that is without Him. We can do some things for a little while, but it, it leads to emptiness and pain. This is why prayer and studying the Scriptures are so important. They help us to grow and be ready for the attacks of the enemy. Now, the second thing that we have power over, just like it said Jesus had power over all things, and He gives, it, he gives us that same power through the Holy Spirit, is power over spiritual forces. And I know what some of you might be thinking, well, okay, here we go. We're going to talk about, you know, casting out demons and all of that stuff that people tend to think is, is just a little bit weird because anything that, that kind of goes outside of what we really know is strange. Let's save that for the movies. But there is a spiritual battle that we don't even see raging around us. Demonic forces are real. The enemy is real. Now, we give them way too much power. Satan does not know our thoughts. He does not know everything about us. Although he has studied us, there is, I don't know how the spiritual forces work, but he knows the things that will trip us up. He's watched us. He knows. They can plant thoughts, but he does not know everything. We give him way too much power. Staying, saying really silly things like, the devil made me do it, and all these other things to dismiss ourselves from any responsibility. Look, Satan can't make us do anything. The Holy Spirit is too much of a gentleman to force us to do anything. It's all about our choices. And the enemy is going to try and trip us up. Now, we read earlier in verses 21 and 22 that all things are brought under the authority, and we have that same power. So, part of what the Spirit does is protects us and empowers us to deal with attacks of the enemy so that the enemy does not have any power over us as believers. Now, look at Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. We're going to dig into this much later in this series, because that's towards the end of the letter of Ephesians. But I want you to see this right now. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. says a final word, Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. That's the part I use it a lot. I've, even in our John series, I talk about it. Our battle isn't with the people of this earth that are trying to hurt us or harm us. It is a spiritual battle. We're not fighting flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. The battle is not against flesh and blood. Even that co-worker or that neighbor that's coming against you, it's tearing you down, telling you how horrible you are, maybe causing you problems at work, whatever that may be, that's not your enemy. They may be being used by the enemy, but they are not the enemy. They can feel like an enemy and they can be attacking us, but they're really truly not our enemy. Satan and all of the powers of this evil world are what is fighting against us. This is what we need to remember. We need to arm ourselves with the Spirit of God and His Word so we can be ready for whatever the enemy throws our way. And Jesus, look, He, he demonstrated that. He didn't fight back with words or with swords. Actually, when Peter cut the, the, the guy's ear off, Jesus rebuked him and said, hey, look, that's not the way we fight. And then He healed the man. Look, 
we're to share the love of God because this life isn't all that there is. We're going to leave this life one day. We're going to be in eternity with God where there's no more pain, no more suffering. The power of God is here to sustain us. We have one job, and that's to make disciples, to draw people to Him. No matter what we do to make money, however He's equipped us to do that, our underlying job is to draw people to Christ. And that's our purpose. So there's one final thing that the Spirit empowers us to do, which is to fulfill that purpose, the power to share Christ. Remember, this is what Jesus commanded us to do to share the gospel, to go and make disciples, didn't he? That's what he told us to do, not start churches. Churches are kind of a product of that, and Jesus is the head of the church. But we're to go make disciples who go and make disciples who go and make disciples, and he gives us the power to do it. We talked about this a little bit last week in Acts 1.8 when Jesus was getting ready to uh, ascend into heaven. He told the followers this in verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Power. We're going to be given power to be witnesses, to share Jesus. That power that lives in us, that's changing us, that's growing the fruit in us, and allows us to have wisdom and knowledge and all of this stuff, is for us to be able to share the gospel with the people that are around us. By the way we live, act, say, the things that we do, the way that we pray for people, how we treat them, it all comes through the power of the Spirit working through us taking the gifts and abilities that we have and amping them up to a level that we, we can't understand, sometimes giving us abilities that are outside of what we're actually skilled to do. That's what's so amazing. The power of the Holy Spirit allows me to do what I'm doing today. This is not something that comes natural to me, but the power of the Holy Spirit working through me. The Spirit gives us wisdom and knowledge. And look at Romans 8, 26 and 27. This is something I want you to be encouraged by. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Have you ever felt just lost in prayer? You're like, man, I see this situation. Everything's overwhelming. I don't even know how to pray. But he says, man, we get into this attitude of prayer. We don't know what to pray, but the Holy Spirit prays for us. Guides us, leads us. There are times when I've been praying for people, I have no idea what to pray, and the Spirit just leads me in that prayer. That's what it means. I have... I have been in situations where I've been praying for people at the altar, and God will give me something different to pray over each individual, people that I don't even know. When I used to speak at youth camps, things like that, kids I don't know, and God would give me specific things to pray over them. And it would line up with what was going on in their lives. This is what is so beautiful about the power of the Holy Spirit. He works in our weakness. He takes us to places outside of whatever we, where we could go on our own. That's where the blessings of God comes in. That's where the favor of God comes in. He does things in and through us that are beyond what we could ever imagine or do on our own. 
That is amazing. We may not ever have all the money in the world. We may not drive the nicest cars. Those things can be products of God's blessing, but sometimes it's just the fact that God does things in and through us that are beyond what we could imagine. Give us joy and peace beyond what we could imagine. Even the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12 are not for us, but they're for the benefit of other people. And the gifts are what kind of freak people out because they're supernatural gifts. They're beyond what we can understand. And some people get really freaked out about it and say, oh, well, that was for a long time ago. That isn't for today because we get nervous about things we don't understand. But the truth is, there wasn't a time stamp on there. It, did, it does say that those things will pass away. When the new heaven and a new earth come, we don't need it anymore. That's when those things pass away. We need them right now because they're here. They're a gift to us as believers to empower us to do the work of the church. We need these things to do God's work. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11 real quick. And, and we're not going to dig deep into this. Again, the Supernatural series does that. And we'll probably come back to it again another time. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11 says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, this is everybody, brothers and sisters, no respecter of gender, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to, to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. And he alone decides which gift each person should have. So Paul prayed that we would understand that the power of God is available to us, that these gifts, and I believe these gifts are situational, that God will give us those gifts that we need in those moments when we need them so that we can use them to impact other people's lives or to encourage the church, to encourage one another. That's why things like speaking in tongues or unknown languages. It's used maybe in people's private lives in prayer because it's praying in the Spirit, things that we don't understand. But it should never be done in a corporate setting unless it can be interpreted, unless there's somebody that can tell us what's being said. Otherwise, Paul tells us in Scripture that it's useless unless people can understand it. These things are still available. They still work today. They're used for the benefit of those around us. We are not here on our own. We have God's power. And that power helps us to overcome sin in our lives. It helps us to share the good news. It helps us to fight against the powers that come against us. Our job and mission as believers is to reflect Him. And the power is the ability to do what God's asked us to do.
It's kind of like hiring somebody to do a job. And if we didn't give them the finances and the tools and the things that they needed to do the job, they could try and do it on their own, but they would fail. Well, Jesus called us to make disciples, and then he gave us the Holy Spirit to equip and empower us to be able to do that job. That power is available to you and me. We just have to allow God to use us in that way, to be open to what God has for us, and then to trust Him to do what needs to be done. So I want to pray over you today. Maybe you're kind of going, I don't even understand what that power is. Look, you have the stamp of the Holy Spirit upon you when you come to Christ. He leads and He guides you. Then there is a next level, that power, that baptism of the Holy Spirit that we see in Acts chapter 2, where He empowers us to do the work beyond what we could ever imagine. I want to pray that God will show you the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, that He will use you in that way, that you will be open to trusting Him in ways that you never have before, that the Holy Spirit would work in your life and change you from the inside out and give you the ability to impact people around you. It's not some magic formula, not something that we're going to come in and pray that God would do this, this, and this. We're just going to ask God to move in your life and to use you through the power of the Holy Spirit in a way that draws people to Him. So let's pray together. Father, we come before you and we are so grateful and thankful that you have given us the Holy Spirit. That you didn't just leave us to this job without tools, without what we needed. Lord, we have our relationship with you. We have your word, and then we have the power of your Holy Spirit working in our lives. And Lord, today I pray that you would fill each one of us with your Holy Spirit, that you would grow the fruit in us, that you would equip us to be able to stand firm against the attacks of the enemy, and Lord, that you would empower us to share that word with somebody else. And Father, if there is somebody that's watching today that doesn't have a relationship with you that they don't understand, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would open their eyes right now to their need for you. That they would accept you, Jesus. They would put their trust and their faith in you and accept the free gift that was given on the cross today. And Lord, then fill them with your Spirit. Empower them. Help them to understand and give them wisdom today. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for what you're doing in and through us. And we give you all praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you need more prayer, if you have questions, if there's things that you don't understand, please click that prayer button. Allow us to pray with you. Allow us to talk with you. If the service time is over, if you're watching this sometime later, man, go to our website at KennesawFamilyLifeChurch.org and click the prayer button that's there and it'll send an email and we will get back to you as soon as we can. We want to pray with you. Please call if you have questions. We love you and we thank God for bringing you into our family. Have a great week.